Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 898 of I Doubt a Podcast, almost 900. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore. Joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, the talented, and indeed the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. It has been a whirlwind few days. How are you feeling? I'm feeling tired. I am very tired. We both filled in. We were both guest hosting for... David Packman, uh, I did it the 26th and the 27th, and you did it the 28th. Mm-hmm. And it was my first time guest hosting. Very exciting. It is a lot. I mean, you saw me do it. You've seen me do it in the past. You've saw me do it. <laughs> you seen me. You've seen me do it in the past. You've ex- assisted me, helped me do it in the past. So you know. Mm-hmm. But when you're actually in the thick of it, mm-hmm. it's a whole nother dynamic of stress and bewilderment at how he keeps up that pace <laughs> so every day it is a lot of work it is a lot of work and we ended up working almost all day christmas from like 9 a.m to 4 p.m and then we stopped because we had we like set a boundary to have christmas activity christmas activity uh <laughs> to have non-working activity on christmas and it ended up being a nice night but the past few days it has just been really rough. So we're we're happy to be back. We sent out the Patreon end of year gift envelopes. This was the first time that it went really seamlessly, I think. Like we got, we got it out pretty quickly. People have already gotten them. A lot of people have, have already gotten them. We've already gotten return envelopes from people. So people really <laughs> don't want to go into Patreon and adjust their address or check that their address is correct. Yeah, so <laughs> But it, it was it was nice to sit down. We both sat down together and stuffed envelopes with the Patreon end of your gift and took some time to reflect on the number of people that support this work, yeah. the number of people that have supported us over the years. I mean, we put hundreds of envelopes in the mail, and every one of those envelopes represented someone who gives us their hard-earned money to support the show. And that's really 
I mean, I don't I don't even know. <laughs> we were at a loss for words. We're, we just can't believe it. It's one of the reasons why I want to continue to do that work. Only one time have we outsourced. It was a couple years ago. And I didn't like it because it was too sanitary. It was too... Wait, when did... We've never outsourced it. Yeah, I think we outsourced it when... Um, what was the gift? What One time. Mm, no? No, I've always stuffed the envelopes. <laughs> what did we... Out, maybe they made the envelopes and mailed the envelopes to us and then we did that? I thought no. it was a magnet or something. Yeah, no. We, they Well, they sent envelopes with the magnets to fit the magnet, mm. but I still well, stuffed them. Well, then, then I guess it's mea culpa on my part because... I want to be involved every step of the way going forward on every end of the year gift because you've kind of handled it. And it really, for me, it's meaningful to get my hands on every single envelope. Think about, as we're doing it, that what you just said, that these people, these people, you people <laughs> out there support this show and it's it's something meaningful. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, we, we, I guess the top of the show, thank you so much all of you who give, like Brittany said, your hard-earned money, whether that be $2 a month or $5 a month or however much you give, thank you so much. It is not lost on us that what we do is special and that we are, um, we're just moved. We are we are moved by your support of the little show that could, you know, here we are almost 10 years in and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's moving. Yeah, so I think we'll wait to talk about the actual what is in the end of your gift. Well, it's on the, my laptop here. So we're going to wait to talk about it because <laughs> I I want to give it some time for like our international listeners to get the envelope, and I, I don't know how long that will take, but we'll probably talk about it next episode. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe we'll give a heads up if people actually do want to be surprised still and just and let you know that we're going to talk about it at length. But um I, I want to go back to the David Pakman thing really quickly, just because it was an interesting experience. It was my first time guest hosting, and I told myself I wasn't going to read the comments until I was completely done with all of my work. I think wise. I think and that was a wise move. I did. I yeah. succeeded at that. And then the instant I was done recording everything. <laughs> <laughs> you went to the previous day. Yeah, I started reading the comments, and it was pretty, pretty good on the whole. Yeah, considering of course. of course it's a YouTube comment section, which is typically just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how did you find it? It was pretty positive. It was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. And then the negative comments that I saw, I completely expected. It was, I hate her voice. Oh, I can't yeah. stand the way she talks. Like it's the only criticism that men can find of women is like we're unattractive and our voice is annoying <laughs> we've heard it we've heard why it before. are you using your mouth to talk there's only one use for your mouth no you, there were some of those i got comments like that <laughs> yeah uh specifying what my mouth should be used for instead of talking and also that i must have gotten on my knees several times in order to get the guest hosting job which was interesting because I did not. And uh, <laughs> I also talked... What's the fucking impulse? Why are men... Why are men... That's the question. Why are men question mark? <laughs> I also decided to talk about Israel and Gaza during one of the shows, which I felt like I had to do. And... Well, breaking news happened. I'm happy I did it. Yeah. But it's interesting to 
read some of those responses too. I am done reading the comments now. I, I read what I'm going to read and now I'm done with that. I'm not going to consume any more of the, the comments, but it, it was an interesting lesson, I think, in... Well, I'm going to highlight a specific comment. Can oh, I do okay. that? Yeah, yeah, in, please. In, in reaction to my segment about Israel and Gaza, these two comments were within four minutes of each other. They were posted within four minutes of each other. Okay. Does this illustrate the peril of thinking in public? It just illustrates how you... Or it, how impossible the Israeli-Hamas conflict, in the Middle East, how it's fraught with... Every, misunderstanding, and you can't, you didn't go far enough if you went there. Is it one of those kind of deals? I mean, it can be applied specifically to how difficult it is to talk about Israel and Gaza specifically, but I think this can just be thought of more globally in that it is impossible to please everybody, and people are filtering what they hear through their own beliefs, perceptions, preconceived notions, and so you know, if you're if you're thinking you're going to come on and you're going to say something and everyone's going to take it the same way, that's just not going to happen ever about any topic. Right. <laughs> and so here, okay, so here's the example. These are two comments. They were four minutes apart on a segment that I did on the David Pakman show on the 27th about the war in Gaza. The first one is great job, Brit. Finally, some coverage from this channel on Israeli war crimes instead of radio silence. Okay, that's the first one. Great. Okay. The second one. Four minutes later, this next one? Four minutes later. All right. You are a coward for not taking a stand on Hamas slash Israel. I've heard you on your own show be staunchly anti-Israel, and now you're filling in for Pac-Man being all wishy-washy. Pathetic. <laughs> People, man. The two opposite yeah. conclusions. Right. Watching the same exact thing at the same time, opposite conclusions. So... It was a good lesson, I think, because we get, need a good reminder of that every now and then. Well, I mean, it's a reminder that you sometimes, in some topics, in some arenas, you can't win. No matter what you say, and I, I know the episode you're talking about, the video you're talking about, you are absolutely even-handed. You, you, I, well, I'm not going to go through it. We can, we'll put the link to the YouTube video below, but it yeah. was, it was absolutely fair and balanced. You called balls and strikes. You called Israel out for their nonsense. You obviously um, were clear about the that Hamas is a terrorist organization. That the the, the terrorist attack on October seventh was was brutal and uncalled for and uh, a crime against humanity. All of that, and still you you can't win. Yeah, I mean, someone saying that I'm a coward for not taking a stance, while other people are saying that I proved that I'm pro Hamas. So it's just like you can't. You can't win. Yeah. You can't win. But we're going to get into more Gaza stuff later. Uh, Jesse, do you want to reflect on your guest hosting or are you just, it's so routine for you now, you don't? No, I mean, I would, <laughs> I think I'd rather reflect on yours more. And it's that you, David Pakman's audience on largely doesn't like me because I'm not David Pakman. Well, I think that's true. I'm more bombastic. I'm me. You know, I'm fucking me. I'm me. I don't think that's true of just you, though. I think anyone who has cultivated an audience, whenever someone new comes in, there's this feeling of this person is not that person. Where is the person that I like? Where is the person yeah. that I subscribe to? This person is not them. However, he he goes on break enough that they they get a a running rotation of guest hosts. They should be used to it by now. What I was going to say is, because I'm okay 
with not being everybody's cup of tea or whatever. You, on the other hand, I, th I found were more resoundingly accepted and appreciated because you're not me. You're not aggressive and, you know, you're more metered and reasonable in your views and analysis. I don't want to drop <laughs> the disclaimer, but you know, it, it's and it's fine. It's fine. I'm, it, it was good. It, but, but yeah, guest hosting was great. It was a good time. Uh, we appreciate David. He's He's fantastic and uh, maybe a fucking robot. Seriously, he may not be human. <laughs> Just given the workload yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the pace. Yes, for sure. So we hope everyone had happy holidays. We hope everyone is safe. We hope everyone is doing well. We are excited for the year to come. 2024, it's going to be a big year. Mm. Big election. Busy. It's a already starting happening. to ramp Seriously, up. Yeah. So with that, we will get to our first call, and it is Kristen in California. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. My name is Kristen. I'm calling from California, uh, listening to the Taking Care of Biz part of 897, and I found myself getting <clears throat> excuse me, uh, really choked up. Um, I um, just had my 14th year clean, um, 14th year sober from uh, <clears throat> drugs. Uh, I was addicted to painkillers. Um, I think safe consumption sites are absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't live too far from the Tenderloin, um, but there was, you know, the, the reporter that was asking the young lady whose mother had passed, I don't know, it really gets under my skin um, when he said, you know, is, is, do you think this is going to be a time where you want to stop? When you were 13 years in an addiction, it's not about getting high anymore. You're maintaining because it, it's to be dope sick is the worst feeling in the whole wide world. And nobody wants to be an addict. You know, when I was a little girl, I didn't play with my toys and say, when I grow up, I want to be a mom and a wife and I want to have a 60 pill a day habit and I want to shoot up um, in the middle of my kid's birthday party. Nobody says that that's not what happens. Um, so I, I think that having a supervised consumption site can absolutely save lives. And having people there with compassion for addicts is absolutely going to save lives because it's not just making sure no one overdoses. It's not just making sure that someone has clean uh, paraphernalia. It's actually treating them like a human being because as an addict, we are human beings. We are not our addiction. We are just addicted. So uh, just had to get that off my chest. Anyway, Happy New Year, and keep on rocking in the new year. Bye. That is um, a great message. I agree with everything. And Moving voicemail. For sure. And thank you for sharing all of that, Kristen. I, I think when we had that segment, I felt like it was rushed, and I was trying to get everything in. I don't remember why I felt rushed. I don't remember what was going on, but I remember feeling rushed. And I think we talked a little bit about how supervised consumption sites can be so beneficial for community, and I don't know if I spent a lot of time on that, but... Especially the uh, the super supervised consumption sites in New York, it, it is a place where people can come and do their laundry, where they can have access to showers, where they can 
connect with people, whether it is other people that are visiting the center or the staff that are working there or the people who are employed there who have a background themselves in recovery. And it is a place where they can connect with people and feel like people know their name, know their story, and care about whether they're alive or dead. And that really goes a long way for people when they are struggling to know that there are people out there that really care about them and whether or not they are alive. Yeah, I, Kristen, thank you for sharing your story. It is, it's unfortunate that that oftentimes the, the the people who are who struggle with addiction, who are in recovery, have to share their story to really humanize it and put a put a put a face on it. But it, you said it perfectly. That nobody grows up playing with their toys and imagining what their adult life is going to be like and then romanticizing being um, addicted to drugs. And when you're 13 years in, like you said, it's it's maintaining. It is – you're not chasing a high and it's not party time. It's survival where the drug has tricked your brain that if you don't get whatever the substance you're addicted to, you will die. And people don't get that. I think we need to move through the world, and it's a lesson for me as well, but we need to move through the world with more compassion, less judgment about how dare they, they made this mistake, they should do this, it should be done this way, when someone hasn't walked even um, a foot in your shoes, it's just short-sighted. I, I think more compassion, more more love, uh, offering dignity to people is uh, a far more effective way Um to, to navigate these waters. But Kristen, thank you so much for the call. We uh, This is one of the reasons why we take phone calls uh, and, and play voicemails and read emails is because the contributions of the listeners are a full 50% of what the show is about. And uh, this call is emblematic of that. So thank you very much for the call. Do we have any emails or are we going to move to Patreon? Thanks. Um, I actually did have emails and thank you for talking to give me time to stop crying um well i also had things to say well (laughs) it served two purposes well good um i want to shout out isaac isaac m who uh last year in november actually emailed and said that since i was starting up my youtube channel isaac thought i would be good to host david pacman so isaac got their their christmas wish put a little uh bug in uh, pacman's ear yeah um, let's see. You know, I think we're going to skip these emails and maybe we'll read these emails next time, actually, just because we have a lot to get to yeah, sure. on, on the show today. I think we can thank our Patreon supporters right now, though, our new Patreon supporters like we do. So we want to give a shout out to Alexis M. Alexis M. Edward B. Edward B. Zafad 101. Zafad 101. Stephen R. Stephen R. Joni K. Joni K. Donna B. Donna B. Catherine W. Catherine W. Timothy R. Timothy R. K A R. K A R. David G. David G. It's a whole bunch of them. Travis D. Travis D. Roberto G. Roberto G. Don. Don. <laughs> Teresa S. Teresa S. Berlin 3014. 
Berlin 3014. <laughs> and then we want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters who increased their pledges. And that is Jan Z. Jan Z? And Albino Rhino. Albino Rhino. <laughs> so thank you very much to our Patreon supporters. Again, look in your mailboxes. There is a relatively small, I guess, envelope white envelope that you should be looking for. I remember when the magnets went out, actually, that might be what you're thinking of, that mm. some of them were pre-printed. Mm-hmm. You might be right. Yeah. Yeah. And, See? And they got thrown away. Remember, people were throwing them away because yes. it looked like some sort of mailer that no one cares right. about. Yes, I remember. Okay. So these have our logoed return address label, but they are handwritten. Right? Aren't they handwritten? Oh no, no, they're not. But they do have the I doubt it logo on the on the uh on the return address label. Some of them are handwritten and also some of them have additional I doubt it stickers stuffed in there for like a pa- Patreon welcome stickers is what we typically do. So if you were due for those, then those are also stuffed in the envelope. Fantastic. So. But we'll we'll talk about more next time. If you still have time to get the end of the year gift. Uh, if you would like to check out Patreon, go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. All right, moving on. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, because we're gluttons for punishment, we are going to start the show talking about the war in Gaza. And we are not going to please you. Anything we say, you're going to be pissed off about. <laughs> that is correct. So, let's kind of go through just what has been happening the past week or so. And go through these different events and and catch everyone up to speed about where we are now. So uh, one thing that was big in the news that we didn't talk about was the IDF killing three hostages who were shirtless and waving a makeshift white flag. The Committee to Protect Journalists has come out and said that 68 journalists have been killed, 13 journalists have been injured, three are missing, 20 have been arrested, 61 of these are Palestinian reporters, and in, in their death announcements, it's often noted that they were killed by Israeli airstrikes. And according to the Committee to Protect Journalists, the war has been the deadliest period for reporters in more than three decades. Yeah. Additionally, according to reporting from CNN and the Washington Post, the intelligence community in the United States believes that up to 45% of the bombs that Israel has dropped 
on Gaza are unguided dumb bombs. And yeah. I think, Jesse, you can talk a little bit about what that means. Well, they just it's just lobbying a bomb. There's no guidance system. There's no... It's just based on the tra- trajectory of the angle of launch and the speed that they can kind of guess where it's going to go. But 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 it's not it's not guided. It's not uh, there's no GPS in it. It's just a bomb flung in the air, and uh, it, where it lands, it lands. Right, and also dumb to use them. It, not just dumb bomb. Yeah, I mean you're you're just being reckless. Yeah. You're, it's, whoever is there is going to get killed. And in fact, according to a New York Times analysis. They found, quote, during the first six weeks of the war in Gaza, Israel routinely used one of its biggest and most destructive bombs in areas it designated safe for civilians. And this was according to analysis of visual evidence by The New York Times. So I think we're going to start there because this is a pattern that we have seen where the Palestinians are told to take shelter in a certain area. And then what ends up happening is the area where those Palestinians were told to shelter becomes a battle zone. Rafa, the very area where Israel told displaced Palestinians to seek shelter, has become a battle zone. We have never seen such weapons. I witnessed the 1956 war and there was not anything like this. I witnessed the 1967 war and there was not something like this. This is a barbarian act. Israel is the biggest criminal. Excavators comb through the rubble of what was once a home. It was flattened by Israeli airstrikes overnight. Some two dozen people died, including a newborn baby and her two-year-old brother. Their injured father, in a hospital bed, grieves his dead children. We were sleeping. We were buried while sleeping. Relatives preparing to bury the dead prayed over their shrouded bodies. Sarah Krayim lost her sister in the strike. My feeling is indescribable. Imagine that yesterday I was combing her hair and making her a sandwich for dinner, then tucking her into sleep. We woke up in the morning and there is no Fatima. Fatima is gone. Tens of thousands of Palestinians have packed into Rafah to escape the intense bombing farther north. But southern Gaza has repeatedly come under attack in recent days. Israel insists it's going after just militant targets. In central Gaza, scenes of chaos after a bombing at Nusirat refugee camp. Locals rushed to help the wounded as health workers carried the dead away in body bags. A boy barefoot and bewildered, pulled from the rubble and carried away. I was in my store and the kids around me were playing. People were coming and going and they were having a good time and then this aggressive bombing came. I don't know what they think we have in our houses for us to deserve all this bombing. This is enough. Enough of the bombing of children and women and displacing people from their homes. Fierce battles also raged for another day in the north. Israeli forces raided Al-Ali Baptist Hospital in Gaza City overnight, one of the last functioning hospitals in northern Gaza. They detained most of the hospital staff, leaving only two doctors and four nurses to tend to over a 100 seriously injured patients, all without water and electricity. In Geneva, World Health Organization officials denounced recent Israeli strikes on hospitals. The people in the hospitals, yes, they need everything. They need medical supplies, but what they ask for first is food and water. The very basics, they do not have them. One of my colleagues described people lying on the floor in 
severe pain in agony, but they weren't asking for pain relief, they were asking for water. That it's beyond belief that the world is allowing this to continue. It seems to me that it should be clear, it should be self-evident that the claims of Israel, that what was the word he used, going after just Hamas targets, that should fall on deaf ears when we have tens of thousands of dead civilians at the hands of the IDF. Tens of thousands. That means if you're just targeting Hamas then why all of this quote-unquote collateral damage? Upwards of 20,000 dead Palestinians. Are you telling me that all of them were Hamas militants? Even the infant and the newborn baby that were killed when they're told, evacuate this area, move south, and then they move south only to find themselves bombed over and over and over again. The casualties are now... Uh, orders of magnitude higher than the original date of October 7th, which was a terrorist attack, but does not give a justification for war crimes, for uh, an attack upon humanity and children, innocent children. Ugh. Yeah, I honestly don't know how to make sense of how people can be unconcerned about the quote-unquote collateral damage. I I don't know how people are not concerned about the number of people that are civilians who are being killed. And a lot of people will say, well, you're taking the Palestinian health ministry, which is controlled by Hamas, you're using those numbers, that's not accurate. Well, no, the international aid groups that are on the ground that are seeing this destruction, they say that those numbers seem correct. So you can say that they're propaganda, okay, but it it seems like they're not. It seems like that they yeah. are accurate. And even if they aren't totally on the mark, we've seen the videos. We've we've seen the videos. And even if you don't um, take certain videos seriously because the, it's not by a reporter that you know or you don't find it reputable, CNN's Clarissa, Clarissa Ward was just on the right. ground. Right, on the ground there. And there were... There were dead kids, and there were kids that were being carried in the hospitals without limbs. It was a horrific... It was a horrific video to watch. I didn't see that clip, but didn't you say she broke down like it was... Many times. Yeah. Many times. Um, And so I don't know if it's just that people are kind of walling themselves off because it's painful. I don't don't really know. But even the United States is really failing simple tests here. The UN General Assembly on the 19th adopted a resolution on the right of the Palestinian people to self-determination. And the United States joined with Israel and two other countries to vote against that. Yeah. The UN this week passed a resolution on Gaza aid with the United States abstaining from the vote. Disgraceful and moral cowardice is what this is on the part of Joe Biden. And you know what? I will, I'll take all comers who want to push back on that. It is cowardice to not stand up for innocent human beings who are being systematically killed by the Israeli government. It is not anti-Semitism to to call out a brutal regime run by a thug and a tyrant in Bibi Netanyahu. It's just not. That is the way it is. And Joe Biden, 
walking into an election year where democracy is on the ballot, where where a continuation of 250 years of tradition in this country, well, less than that because black people couldn't vote and women couldn't vote until the, until the 20th century, he's making a, a, a huge mistake right now because the way I see it, the majority of the people do have a heart for what's going on and they're not going to forget this. Another thing that came out this past week or maybe two weeks now is that the hospital that Israel was saying that Joe Biden said during a press conference was being used as a command center for Hamas. The Washington Post dug into the evidence that was provided by the Israeli government and they wrote this lengthy article about how the evidence falls short of saying that Hamas had been using this hospital as a command and control center. Now, people were sharing this online and saying the Washington Post finds evidence this wasn't true. They're not necessarily saying that, right? They're just saying that they can't find evidence that Hamas was using this, that even the evidence provided by the Israeli government does not show this. They're not saying it's impossible, right? It still could be a possibility, but they're saying that based on the evidence provided that they analyzed, that's not true. Now, It's not a clear case. Right, and what's concerning about that is a month ago, apparently it was a clear case for Joe Biden. Here's a situation. You have a circumstance where the first war crime is being committed by Hamas by having their headquarters, their military, hidden under a hospital. And that's a fact. That's what's happened. Israel did not go in with large number of troops, did not raid, did not rush everything down. They've gone in, and they've gone in with their soldiers carrying weapons or guns. They were uh, told, uh, told, let me be precise. We've discussed the need for them to be incredibly careful. You have a circumstance where you know there is a fair number of Hamas Terrorists. Hamas has already said publicly that they plan on attacking Israel again, like they did before, doing cutting babies' heads off to burning, burning women and children alive. And so the idea that they're going to just stop and not do anything is not realistic. This is not the carpet bombing. This is a different thing. They're going through these tunnels. They're going in the hospital. And if you notice, I I was mildly preoccupied today. I apologize. I didn't see everything. But what I did see, whether I haven't had it confirmed yet, I am asked my team to answer the question. But what happened is they're also bringing in incubators. They're bringing in other, uh, other means to help the people in the hospital. And they've given the doctors and, I'm told, the doctors and nurses and personnel an opportunity to get out of harm's way. So this is a different story than I believe was occurring before an indiscriminate bombing. It, it appears to me that encouraging Israel to be more careful about civilian deaths is not working. It does not seem to be working. Encouraging them Joe Biden having conversations with Benjamin Netanyahu, getting on lengthy phone calls. It it doesn't seem to be moving the needle related to civilian deaths. So that begs the question, what is going to move the needle? And it it seems like you need to start going after the aid that Israel gets. That seems to be the next step. 
And people have been critical of Senator Bernie Sanders because he hasn't come out and called for a ceasefire. He has said that he he repeated similar to what Joe Biden just said, that Hamas wants to destroy Israel and that, you know, Hamas needs to be dealt with. And I'm, I said this in the David Pakman video that I, I don't know what the solution is here with Hamas. I don't know. That's above my pay grade. I don't know. But I do think, and I think most people would find it un, unacceptable if this were happening in another country. I don't know why Palestine is different, but yeah. if this was happening in another country. I mean, imagine, remember when... Uh, well, it just happened, it happened yesterday where Russia launched a, a, a barrage of missile attacks on Ukraine... And Joe Biden, he's the first out there. This is outrageous. We can't stand for this. Why can we stand for it when it's baby Palestinians being fucking killed? That's a great point. And I guess just imagine the reaction if this indiscriminate bombing, like you just said, was in another country. And and why are we having a different response here? I remember when Russia first invaded Ukraine. Yes. And everyone on the left, seemingly within 24 hours, changed their profile picture to a Ukrainian flag. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't do that. But you know what I mean. Like, almost, yeah, it was uh, everywhere. Almost overnight. And so you're just seeing something very different related to this. And, and it doesn't really make sense to me. But Senator Bernie Sanders has introduced legislation that could force the State Department to release detailed reporting on the possible human rights violations that are occurring, which would then allow the government to place conditions on future aid to Israel. The press, human rights monitors, and U.S. officials have confirmed that U.S. provided bombs have been used in attacks that have killed thousands of civilians. This campaign, I am sorry to say, very likely violates U.S. law and U.S. policy. And that is why I have introduced a privileged resolution under Section 502B of the Foreign Assistance Act. The resolution requests that the State Department provide information on any credible allegations of human rights violations in Gaza caused by indiscriminate or disproportionate military operations and the blanket denial of humanitarian access. It also requests a list of the arms provided to Israel since October 7th and a description of the steps taken to limit civilian risk caused by Israeli military actions. (coughs) We will be voting on this resolution in January. And the best basic question that we will be answering in that resolution is, do we support asking the State Department whether human rights violations may have been committed in the Israeli campaign in Gaza? That is not a tough question. And I hope that uh, what we will see is a yes vote from most of my colleagues. This should not be controversial. If you believe, as I do, that this campaign has been indiscriminate, then it is our responsibility to get that question answered. If you believe Israel has done nothing wrong in Gaza, then you should want that information to support your belief. When we receive this information, we will then have a privileged vehicle to debate any necessary changes in U.S. security assistance to Israel. Perfectly reasonable. Absolutely 100% understandable and reasonable as is in my belief that if you think it is abhorrent that the 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 murder of civilian israelis is abhorrent and terrible why can so many people not also believe that the killing the murder 
of innocent babies in Palestine is also abhorrent. What what makes them lesser than Israeli children? It is it is abhorrent. What Hamas did was disgusting, terrible, reprehensible, sinister, evil, if you will. But so is thousands and thousands of dead Palestinian kids. Ugh. And we're giving we're funding this. The American people are giving tax dollars to fund this. We're sending thousands of pounds of munitions to see that this is carried out. So blood is on our hands as well. I just can't do it. I can't do it. We'd love your thoughts on this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Let's switch to some domestic news. I also put like good news right here because I knew that coming out of this was oh, going to well, be difficult and heavy. And so now it's, let's just talk about something good for a second. Okay. And then we'll get back into the hell that is the rest of the political campaign. So today, the Ohio governor, Mike DeWine, who is a Republican, struck down. He vetoed a bill that would have banned gender-affirming care for minors. And I watched his very lengthy speech. And I'm normally we like to keep the clips at about three minutes on the show. But this is going to go four minutes because I want people to hear how much thought went into this decision. And again, this is a Republican talking. And we're not know- a great Republican. Yeah, and I don't want people to walk away going, wow, I really like him, you know, just because he sounds thoughtful here. Um. <laughs> yeah, doing the right thing one time, you know, if you bat 100, it's a lot different than batting 800. <laughs> yes, but it is important to recognize when someone does the right thing. I and think this, so. And this is the right thing. And so, but I, I do think it's important to play this because I think this is what we want elected officials to to think about. We want them to go through the thought process that happened here. And he gives us a window into what his thought process was. This bill would impact a very small number of Ohio's children. But for those children who face gender dysphoria and for their families, the consequences of this bill could not be more profound. Ultimately, I believe this is about protecting human life. Many parents have told me that their child would not have survived, would be dead today, if they had not received the treatment they received from one of Ohio's children's hospitals. I've also been told by those who are now grown adults that but for this care, they would have taken their life when they were teenagers. What so many of these young people and their families have also told me is that nothing they have faced in their life could ever prepare them for this extremely tough journey. Parents are making decisions about the most precious thing in their life their child. And none of us, none of us should underestimate the gravity and difficulty of those decisions. 
these are gut-wrenching decisions. These are gut-wrenching decisions that should be made by parents and should be informed by teams of doctors who are advising them. These are parents who have watched their child suffer, sometimes for years, and who have real concerns that their child may not survive to reach adulthood. While the child's care team informs their decisions, it is the parents who are living with that child who know their child better than anyone else in the world does. These are horribly, horribly difficult situations. These are crisis situations for that child and for that child's family. Families are basing their decisions on the best medical information that they can get. The decision to move forward should only be reached if the child, the child's parents, and the medical team all agree that that is the right decision. Were I to sign House Bill 68, or were House Bill 68 to become law, Ohio would be saying that the state, that the government, knows better what is medically best for a child than the two people who love that child the most, the parents. Now, while there are rare times in the law, in other circumstances, where the state overrules the medical decisions made by the parents, I can think of no example where this is done, where it is not only against the decision of the parents, but also against the medical judgment of the treating physician and against the judgment of the treating team of medical experts. Therefore, I cannot sign this bill as it is currently written. And just a few minutes ago, I vetoed the bill. So... Jesse reminded me before this played that I may not have said that the bill was supposed to be banning gender-affirming care for minors. I think I said it, but I don't know. So that's what it was, just in case. (laughs) Now that you've heard him talk for four minutes and already figured it out. But I thought it was a very thoughtful thoughtful response. And he, he said that he believes that this is about protecting human life, that vetoing this bill is about protecting human life. And what a thing for a Republican to say, especially in this climate when the entire Republican Party seems to be uniting around attacking the trans community. And Republicans have a supermajority in the legislature in Ohio, so they can override this. They They may push back on this. Who knows what's going to end up happening? But I thought that this was a pretty strong statement, and and maybe it will move the needle for some people that admire him as a governor, admire his politics. I mean, we we don't know how this thoughtful response may inform the views of people. Maybe I'm just being too hopeful. Well, I mean, it is it's Ohio, um, and I would I would the only thing I would push back on again with with people and encourage them to do would be don't write an entire state off uh, because of the current political leadership 
For instance, people are like, ah, who cares about Texas? Let them, let them burn. They created their own mess. Except for the fact that Texas is nearly 50-50 Democrat-Republican. It's, it's getting more and more blue as time goes on. Same can be said of Ohio. Yeah, there's a supermajority of Republicans in the state legislature, but that's only because of the way the districts are drawn. Ohio is not a wildly insane conservative state. It's no Idaho. It's no Oklahoma. And even those states, we shouldn't just write out, write off because of the fact that there are good and decent people who are, by many different metrics, forced to live there. And uh, this is good news initially for the trans community in uh, Ohio. And um, thanks, shockingly, thank you, Mike DeWine, for doing the right thing and the right thing for the right reasons. Absolutely. So we'd love to know what you think about that. 657-464-7609. Or you can send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Now we're going to transition to something that happened that this week, yesterday, that illustrates the state of the Republican Party. It really does. And it was, of course, presidential candidate Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, who was asked... What is a very simple question, and the question is, what caused the Civil War? And I want you to hear how she struggles to answer what is, again, a very basic question. Please, um, what was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I'm not president. I want to see your on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all things so that individuals have the liberties so that they can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want to be without government getting in the way. What do you want me to say about slavery? Next question. Pretty remarkable. I mean, that that voter, the, the guy who asked the question, when she went to him and said, uh, well, what do you think about slave? What do you think about the, what caused the Civil War? He's like, well, I'm not running for president, lady. Right, right. I'm asking you because I want to know what your thoughts on it are. Right. And then he goes, well, just sh- it's astonishing to me. You probably can't hear it. It's astonishing to me that in 2023, you didn't even use the word slavery when talking about the causes of the Civil War. And, and it is. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And listen, I want to read just like two paragraphs from the – I did this uh, on a video um, yesterday as well. But from the Confederate States of America, the Mississippi Secession, this is in 1861, a declaration of the immediate causes which induce and justify the secession of the state of Mississippi from the Federal Union. Uh, and in it, they talk about – 
the hostility of the federal government, the hostility of the United States against the Confederate States. And that's what it is in this context. It, that hostility, has grown until it denies the right of property and slaves and refuses protection to that right on the high seas in the territories and wherever the government of the United States has jurisdiction. It refuses the admission of new slave states into the Union and seeks to extinguish it by confining it within the present limits, denying the power of expansion. So they didn't just want to maintain, they wanted to expand the, the, the establishment of slavery. Here we go. This is also why, why they left, why the Civil War took place. The federal government's hostility toward the Confederate States advocates Negro equality socially and politically and promotes insurrection and incendiarism in our midst. This is why the Civil War was fought. This is why they seceded. Because the federal government wanted to offer black people political and social equality. The Civil War, bar none, no argument, you're stupid if you fucking try to argue against it, was about white supremacy. That's it, period. And Nikki Haley is smart enough to know that that is the case. She grew up in the South. She was the governor of South Carolina for years. She knows what the cause of the Civil War was. She does know, but she's making a political calculation that it's not popular to say for some reason. Yeah. And this isn't new with Nikki Haley. I mean, the reason that this this questioner got up and asked her this question, likely, is because she's been asked this question over the years, and she has consistently failed to give what is the accurate response, which is to say that it was about slavery. And we're going to go out of order here in what I thought would be the order, just to go over this clip. But Nikki Haley, I believe when she was running for governor in South Carolina in 2010, responded to a question about, again, what caused the Civil War. What's your belief about the reason the Civil War was fought? I mean, again, I think that as we look in government, as we watch government, you have different sides. And I think that you see passions on different sides. And I don't think anyone does anything out of hate. I think what they do is they do things out of tradition and out of beliefs of what they believe is right. Um, I think you had one side of the Civil War that was fighting for tradition, and I think you had another side of the Civil War that was fighting for change. You know, at the end of the day, what I think we need to remember is um, that, you know, Everyone is supposed to have their rights. Everyone's supposed to be free. Everyone's supposed to have the same um, freedoms as anyone else. So, you know, I think it was tradition versus change is the way I see it. Tradition versus change on what? On individual rights and liberty of people. (laughs) What a coward. (laughs) Great poignant follow-up there, though. Tradition and change about what? What was the tradition they were trying to uphold, Nikki Haley? <laughs> right. What? 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 Hmm. Hmm. What could it be? What was the change that they opposed? Oh, mm. just nobody knows. I guess we'll never know. We'll just move on into modernity, having little to no understanding about which tradition they were trying to uphold so ardently that they would fight a war, the bloodiest war that with the most casualties that the United States has ever been involved in. 
over tradition and change, y'all. Well, you know that Nikki Haley has to be absolutely bummed that this is happening to her because she was rising. She was rising in the polls. Yeah, she was. She was second. She got Chris Sununo's endorsement. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now what's happening is every, every single candidate is coming out and they're highlighting how she refuses to be direct, how she refuses to answer a question. Chris Christie releases an opening here. He's coming out. He was asked directly, in fact, this morning on CNN by one of the anchors if he feels like this is his moment to really get some attention. Chris Christie, the the king of always pressuring everyone to answer questions directly, did not answer that question because, of course, he feels excited about this. This is his moment to finally start right. getting attention and, and knock Haley down a little bit. Well, it's his moment to go from, like, uh, 1.9% in the polls to maybe 6% in the polls. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> and so what's happening now is, you know, this is another strange thing. So they're going to these events. They're standing in these rooms. They're taking all these questions. And... I don't know who wants to do this. Honestly, I I feel very strongly that I don't understand a person who wants to do this job because you're standing in this room and you have to be all things to all people. And that's impossible to do. But somehow they're trying to make it work. And the way that you have to make it work is by being a liar. And then you get recorded being inconsistent and being a liar. And then you somehow have to dance around the fact that everyone now knows you're a liar. (laughs) And so here's what's happening to Nikki Haley is she's getting asked direct questions and refusing to give direct answers. And in another thing that, that people are doing now is they're saying, here's a chance to redeem yourself, answer this question in a direct way. And so she was asked whether she would refuse to be Donald Trump's vice president. Is it a chance to redeem yourself after last night's slavery thing? Um, <laughs> slavery Would you thing. be able to say categorically that you will not accept being Trump's vice president? I could say to you what you want to hear, and you could go check that box and go do whatever. But I'm going to continue to tell you my truth and the truth that I have always told the truth, even when I was in the administration. President Trump and I worked well together. Why? Because I told him the truth. Now, if you want to talk about vice president, I will tell you this now. I've said it before. I don't play for second. I've never played for second. I'm not going to start now. That's her truth that doesn't involve an actual answer to the question. Not playing for second isn't an answer of whether or not you would accept uh, a nomination to be vice president of the United States, Nikki Haley. And you know it. And you know it. And Vivek did the same thing this week, too, when he was asked if he would accept a position in the Trump administration because he's getting ready to fail out of the race. No, 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 no. You didn't hear. He's going to win the Iowa caucuses. Oh, cool. No, he he predicted it. (laughs) I'm I'm sure. That guy is a dipshit. He said he's not a plan B person. It's like, Mm. how do they find all these different phrases to avoid answering the question? It really is impressive. Well, you just wait. It'll be Ron DeSantis saying second place is only the first loser, (laughs) y'all. So... I want you to remember that line that Nikki Haley said about she's always been honest with Donald Trump because we're going to get to that in a second. But here's Nikki Haley again being asked about Donald Trump and whether she would pardon him. I would pardon Trump if he is found guilty. A leader needs to think about what's in the best interest of the country. 
What's in the best interest of the country is not to have an 80-year-old man sitting in jail that continues to divide our country. What's in the best interest of the country would be to pardon him so that we can move on as a country and no longer talk about him. Ah, it's not in the best interest of the country to have an 80-year-old man sitting in prison. How many old men are in prison? Are she going to let them all out because they're old? It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, of course, these are the people that like want to lock Joe Biden up as well. He's an 80-year-old man, and they're going after him. Not well, Nikki wait, wait, specifically, wait. but... Are you saying that the Republican Party is not the party of law and order, Brittany? How <laughs> dare you? Apparently not, if they're like, you know what? The consequences for your actions are waived based on age. She wants everyone over a certain age to have a cognitive test, but then they're all, they get a get-out-of-jail-free card as well. The Republican version of the statue, uh, Lady Justice, uh, has the blindfold kind of peak. Just a little peak. <laughs> so you remember Nikki Haley saying that she's super honest with Donald Trump all the time even when she worked for him she's always told him the truth oh yeah well let's let's do a flashback to when i think she was with marco rubio on the stage during this moment this was in february 29th of 2016 so this was before donald trump was elected as president right either just after or right before the the republican primaries of that year and let's hear what nikki haley from from the past said about donald trump Donald Trump is everything I taught my children not to do in kindergarten. I taught my two little ones. You don't lie and make things up. A man who has filed for bankruptcy four times. A man that chooses not to disavow the KKK. That is not a part of our party. That's not who we want as president. We will not allow that in our country. She sounds like a a radical Democrat, doesn't she? (laughs) We will not allow that in our country until he makes me the U.N. ambassador, y'all. Uh, they're just spineless. They are cowards. They are weaklings. Yeah, and I mean, come on. She, she's like Chris Christie says, and Chris Christie is, he's hes not some paragon of honesty. He's also playing a role. He's carved out a space for himself yeah. to be the only one that is critical of Trump, so he's running with it. Who knows what role he would be playing if there was someone else who was playing his part. But he's able to come out and say, you are not criticizing Donald Trump. I am criticizing Donald Trump. And that's true. That's true. All of these people refuse to be critical of Donald Trump to the point where Nikki Haley is willing to again work for Donald Trump, the person that she knows is a liar. She doesn't want her children to be like and has filed for bankruptcy four times. Yeah. yeah. So. She knows this to be true. Donald Trump has always been the same person. We say this constantly. Everyone knew who he was in 2016. It's just that they weren't willing to be honest about it. And certain people, Nikki Haley, are still not willing to be honest about it. Ugh, so stupid. We would invite your your participation in this conversation, 657-464-7609. Of course, as always, you can email a voice memo or regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Calm. Moving on. Taking care of biz. Who do we got today? Colin McConnell and strangers, I guess. A man named Colin McConnell and just strangers. What? Should I drop the clip or is there, you have an intro? <laughs> no, I... Well, okay, so... Because I don't know what this is about. Yeah, so... We are, it's post Christmas now. 
but this is a Christmas related story and I kept it because I think that even though we're moving away from Christmas, it's a good reminder of things that we can be looking for, ways that we can be looking to be helpful to other people and to do something to intervene to make lives people make people's lives a little bit easier. Steve Hartman has the story of a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders and a neighbor who's eased his burden. On Detroit's west side, we found a story on a second story. It's a duplex. Yeah. Downstairs renter Colin McConnell says the new neighbors above have been disrupting his peace below. Those are Detroit Lions practicing up there some nights, you know. In actuality, it was three peewees, running backs, and fourths across the hardwood. The kids belonged to 33-year-old Don Wilson. And for months, Colin knew nothing of Don beyond what he could hear through the floorboards. But when they finally met, Colin says he picked up a whisper of something much more. You could just tell something was weighing on him. So that's when I kind of was like, you good? And, as, and he just kind of was like, uh, not really. Turns out, Don had just lost the love of his life and mother of his children. Lakenya had a stroke and died this past summer. She was 39. Just not having that person here, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I can't be like her. <laughs> Juggling the kids and a full-time job with virtually no savings was overwhelming. After Colin heard that, the noise from above became the least of his worries. He posted a video on social media asking for anything to help this guy. And within hours, the boxes started showing up on his doorstep. This is all for you, bro. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> yeah, bro. It was everything Don would need for Christmas and beyond. But he says the best gift was that it all came from strangers. That was the best feeling because it was random people that you don't expect that surprise joy. It was just it's amazing. I never felt it before. Very soon, people around the world will be listening for sleigh bells. But in this tiny duplex, this man will be listening happily for the pounding feet of children enchanted and know that Christmas has come. Look at that. Wow. You know that it's uh <clears throat> you know it's an impactful emotional story when even through the horrible corny delivery of Sunday morning or whatever the CBS show is uh I'm completely overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah. And people sometimes are pretty great. Yeah, and that's that's what I thought when I cuz I had put this on the board before Christmas and everything and so i i i just thought it would still be impactful so i'm glad that it was um because it is true i mean there's endless opportunities it's not just during the holidays where we can choose to look for connection choose to look for ways to intervene choose to look for ways to make someone's life easier and i don't want to cry for the second time on the show today so <laughs> i think that's poignant the the looking for connection because you could you know i, I i'm not a giant fan of the don't judge because you don't know the struggle someone's going through because it's overused, I think. But in this case, his connecting with this person and finding out the details of what was going on 
led to something that will probably be a lifelong friendship and maybe restoring um, the, the the upstairs neighbor's um, opinion about humanity and, and help. And hopefully he'll pay it forward if he's ever in the position to do so. It's just heartwarming, overused term, but God damn, it's so, so good. Yeah. So thank you, Brittany. For warming this cold, cold heart. <laughs> well, and I had a, I had another one lined up, so we'll save that one for next episode. And that one is really, really good too. All right, <laughs> we would, we would invite your participation in this conversation as well. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. You can email us in an email or a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We would ask that you consider becoming a patron, helping support this work, helping produce this podcast assisting us help move the conversation forward on an episode by episode basis go to patreon.com slash i doubt it podcast we are going to leave you there we love and appreciate you uh be more like the taking care of biz story uh it would make the world a better place we'll see you next time for Brittany page i'm jesse dollimore and this has been i doubt it Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.